In the second chapter of Acts, it is recorded that Peter was preaching the gospel. The apostle Peter was preaching the gospel. And in verse 37, those who heard him preach the gospel, they asked him a question. They said, what shall we do? Well, in verse 38, he answered them, and he answered them definitively. He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So Peter told them that if they repented and were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, they would receive a gift. Well, in this context, gift is doria, D-O-R-E-A, doria. Doria is something that one receives without payment or obligation. Doria. Something that one receives without payment or obligation. Doria is also something that is freely given. Doria is also something that is freely given. So Peter tells them to repent, acknowledge that they are sinners, and say that they are sorry for their sins. He tells them to be fully immersed in water, which will release their souls from the charge of sin, and then they will receive the Doria of the Holy Ghost. And this Doria, this gift, is promised to everyone. And it is available to everyone that repents and is baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. And there is absolutely no payment required, no obligation involved in receiving this gift. The gift of the Holy Ghost is freely given. Freely given to all who repent and are baptized in his name. Now, I want to stop and point out something that's extremely significant. Between repentance and receiving the gift is what? Baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. So baptism now represents the separation of death. Why? Because in this sacred rite, of, in this sacred rite a soul becomes dead to sin. That's the, the significance of being baptized in the water in the name of Jesus because now the soul becomes dead to sin and alive in Christ. The, soul, the sin on the soul is now remitted. It means it has been removed. There, in other words, a soul is released from the debt, the penalty, and the obligation of sin. Isn't that something? There's a gift that comes without any obligation, but we're born obligated to sin. So when a sinner believes on the name of Jesus Christ and is baptized in his name, that soul becomes completely, totally, and eternally free from sin. You ought to be so glad you're baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost that you don't know what to do with yourself. Because it means you are completely and totally free from sin. Your soul cannot sin. It's impossible for your soul to sin. Why? Because your soul is dead to sin. And he that is dead to sin is free from sin. Making sense to you. As I said, this means that the soul cannot sin because it is dead to sin. There's a complete and total separation from sin has occurred. The soul is free and never to be joined again with your sinful flesh. Isn't that miraculous? 
that even though you're in this body of sinful flesh, you're separated from it, and the actions and the deeds of this flesh, sinful flesh cannot be charged to your soul. You know why? Because your soul is dead and free from sin. Hmm. The Bible says, Know ye not that so many of us are, are as were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him. How? By baptism into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That's what baptism does. It crucifies your flesh. I mean, your, uh, yeah, crucifies your flesh and separates you from your flesh. Why? That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. That's Romans 6.1. Romans 6.1. So baptism separates the soul from sin. Baptism cleanses the soul from all unrighteousness. Baptism is necessary for salvation. How do we know? Peter says it. 1 Peter 3.21. It says, Baptism doth also now save us. There was this man that started a chain of churches. And he said, Baptism does not save you. And he quoted Paul saying, God did not send, the Christ did not send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the word. He quoted that. That's what Paul said. However, he didn't quote Peter because Peter says baptism also now saves us. So they pick and choose what they want to what they want to uh, 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 accept as long as it jives with what they what they want to promote. And so he was saying baptism does not save you. Well, if somebody tells you that baptism does not save you, that's a demon from hell. You know why? You know why it's a demon from hell? Because Peter says baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So once I am baptized in the name of Jesus, I have not put away the filth of the flesh, but I have also I've gotten rid of the filth, filth on my soul. My soul is clean and cleansed from sin. Hmm. And this is the same Peter from Acts 2.38, by the way. This is the same Peter that said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. So you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus and you got to be baptized and you got to go down in the water to have your sins remitted. There is no other way to remove sin on your soul except going down in the waters of baptism in the efficacious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Baptism destroys the body of sin and gives new life to the soul. Baptism prepares the soul now to receive the Doria. You know why you have to be baptized first? Not all the time, but most of the time you should be baptized first because it's got to clean that stuff out before the, the Holy Ghost goes in because he is not going to jump into no dirty soul. Amen. That makes sense to you. Now, there are occasions, there are occasions in the Bible where folks got the Holy Ghost before they were baptized, but that's very rare. So baptism prepares the soul now to receive the Doria of the Holy Ghost, which then completes the salvation promise process. And the process, the salvation uh, process is completed, how? With a seal. A seal. It says, 
Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. It says, after that ye heard the word of truth. What was the, what did you hear? You heard the gospel of your salvation. And what did you do after you heard it? It said, and also that you believed. And then once you, once you heard the word of truth, once you accepted the gospel and you believed it, then you were sealed with that holy spirit of promise. So I want you to imagine that your soul now has a seal that completely covers it. Between your flesh and your soul is a seal. And that seal keeps you from sin. It is a protective seal. It is a seal of holiness. It is a seal of righteousness. It is the seal of the Holy Ghost. Making sense to you. So the Holy Ghost is the seal. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of the promise. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of God. And you have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. If you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you are not saved. Now, having this knowledge, we're able to understand what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 2.12. 1 Corinthians 2.12. We can understand now what Paul is saying. First Corinthians 2.12, when he says to the church at Corinth. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why, Paul? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Here it comes. But the natural man, the unregenerated soul that is still still alive in sin, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. So after repentance... After baptism, one receives the spirit of God. For what purpose? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. I'm sure you've had the experience since you've been born of the water and born of the spirit and had the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. You've had the experience of trying to tell someone about salvation. You've had the experience of trying to tell them and explain to them exactly who Christ Jesus is. But they can't comprehend that. You know why? Because they don't have the spirit of God. They don't have the spirit by which they can know the things that are freely given. And therefore, it's difficult to explain to someone what God did in the body of Jesus. All you can really tell someone is first, you got to accept that you're separate. You're separated from God. You have to accept that you are a sinner. And most of the time we'll say, no, I'm not. I'm a good person. Well, that's great. You're a good person. Yeah. But you got to be you got to go down in the waters of baptism. Why do I have to be baptized? Because that's what the Bible says has to to happen. Do you believe in the Bible? That's basically where you start. Does the person believe that the Bible is true? If they don't believe the Bible is true and they don't accept the Bible, then you're wasting your time. And Jesus says, if they don't listen to you, just shake the dust off your feet. But the bad, the sad part about it is they can never say they didn't hear it. That's the worst something someone can do is to hear the actual true gospel of Jesus Christ and reject it because it's of eternal consequences that making sense to you. So what this means is that if one has not received the spirit of God, then one cannot know the things that are freely given. In fact, the first thing that is freely given of God is the Holy Ghost. That's he give. That's the first thing we get. We get the Doria of the Holy Ghost. 
He's the first Doria after conversion. For it is by him and through him, through the Holy Ghost, that a soul receives the ability to understand and learn spiritual things. Which is another thing that is freely given. The ability to understand spiritual things. Uh, 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 Joel Osteen's father said something really significant. He said, I preached the gospel for 14 years. He said, and then I got the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and the Bible became a completely different book to me. That's right, because once you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, the scriptures are opened up to you. Why? Because now you have the spirit of understanding. You have the spirit by which you can know and understand the things that God has freely given to you. But if you don't have the spirit of God, if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, it's impossible for you to comprehend the word of God. And that's the problem. There's so many folks in the pulpits and in these radio stations and all these places that don't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you cannot know God. You cannot know the word of God. I don't care how many seminary schools you go to, how many cemetery schools you go to. If you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you cannot understand the word of God. But someone that is of minimal education and minimal understandings of words, if they have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, they can understand the word of God. Because it doesn't take a genius to understand the word of God. It takes having the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And once you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you are guaranteed to understand the word of God in the context in which he has given it to you. Amen? I hope that made sense to you. For it is by him and through him that a soul receives the ability to understand and learn spiritual things. Before baptism, repentance and baptism, one is dead in trespasses and sin. Have you ever tried to kick a dead horse? Tell him to get up. You can kick that horse until you can kick the horse until he's completely decayed and he will never get up. Well, trying to explain the gospel to somebody that doesn't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost is like kicking a dead horse. Yes, it is. Because they're dead in trespasses and sin. They can't comprehend it. It's impossible. That's what the word of God says. It's impossible for one to understand and learn spiritual things. Listen, without the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, it is impossible for the natural mind to understand the deep things of God. Yes, the things of God are deep. The word of God is deep. But if you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you just got the deepness in you and you've got the ability to understand deep things. Because the word of God is deep. The word of God is an intellectual pursuit. But in order to pursue the word of God intellectually, you got to have the intellect of God to understand it. That's why the scripture says we have the mind of Christ. We have God's intellect. Once you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name, and you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you now have the mind of Christ. You have the intellectual capacity now to comprehend the word of God. Does that make sense to you? Hmm. So God freely gives us his spirit. He freely gives us understanding. And there's something else he freely gives. He gives us wisdom. Not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is not some material, uh, mystical, ethereal uh, 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 thing. Wisdom is simply knowing the right thing to do and doing it. That's wisdom. Knowing the right thing to do and doing it. But you can't know the right thing to do unless the right thing is in you. You cannot identify the right thing to do unless the right identifier is in you. And I mean it that way. 
And he also says, he says, if you want wisdom, just ask. If you want to know the right thing to do, ask. That's right. Once you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, Lord, what, 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 what should I do? What's the right thing to do in this situation? And he will lead you and he will guide you. Why? Because he says he will. He promised to lead you and he promised to guide you. All you have to do is ask. We're going to get to that in just a minute. So the Bible clearly states that if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom. He, and it says give, who gives it liberally. That's James 1.5. James 1.5. God gives wisdom liberally. He's not stingy with letting you know what the right thing to do is. But here's the problem. So many Christians ask God for the wrong things. They ask for material things. They ask for things to satisfy the appetites of their flesh. They ask for things according to the ways of the world and not the ways of God. What you must understand about God when you ask for something he is never, ever going to give you something that is bad for you. If you ask for something and you get it and it turns out to be a disaster, it did not come from God. Did you hear that? If you ask for something and you get it and it turns out to be a real hardcore disaster, it did not come from God because he only wants good things for us and he will only give us good things. So if you get something and it, and it turns out to be really bad and really painful and really just, a, 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 the, the, as they say, the wrong mistake, then it didn't come from God. It did not come from God because he is not going to give you something that's bad for you. God is not going to give you anything that is bad for you. We know that because he gives us the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is really good for us. Now, so they ask for things according to the ways of the world and not uh, uh, not the ways of, of God. And speaking to, to believers in James 4, 3, James 4, 3, James 4, 3, Sister Manager, he says, you have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not why? Because you ask amiss, yes, 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 yes. that it, that ye may be consumed in that it may be consumed in your lusts yes. or your lusts. Right, God, listen to me, good. God does not freely give us anything to satisfy our flesh. Mm-hmm. Scripture says, "Put no confidence in the flesh." They that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if they that are in the flesh cannot please God, God is not going to give you something to please your flesh. Did you get that? If they that are in the flesh cannot please God, then God is not going to give you something to please your flesh. Hmm. And the wisdom of God is definitely not something your flesh desires. Your flesh does not want to know the right thing to do. Your flesh doesn't care about the right thing to do. All your flesh wants to do is, will it feel good? Will it feel good? Will I enjoy it? Will it give me pleasure for the moment? Forget about how it's going to, consequences are going to end up because of it. Just will it give me some pleasure and make me feel good in the moment? I don't care if it's right or wrong. That's not, that's not even a consideration of the flesh. Hmm. Because the, the wisdom of God is truth and the flesh naturally rejects truth. The flesh naturally rejects truth. And you, I, I know I sound like a broken record and maybe one day you'll understand what I mean. Lie to me and I'll just love you to death. Just lie to me. Lie like a rug and I will love you to death. But you tell me the truth and I will hate you. I'll hate you so much I'll hate you with a hatred. 
Don't tell me the truth. I don't want to know the truth. Your flesh doesn't want to know the truth. And the fact of the matter is, your flesh now, once your sanctified soul is sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, your flesh hates your soul. There's a war going on inside of you. And you realize that once you got saved. Once you got baptized in the name of Jesus and once you got the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, there was a war going on. And that war is going to continue to go until your soul leaves this flesh. We are continually in a war. You got it? I hope that made sense to you. Hmm. The wisdom of God does not satisfy the flesh. It satisfies the soul. The wisdom of God makes it possible to live a fruitful and godly life of which the flesh is not interested. The flesh is not interested in living godly. You know why? Because the flesh can't live godly. Your flesh can't live godly. Your flesh is sold to sin. But once you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, you now have power over your flesh. That's where the battle is. Because you're trying to take control. Your soul is trying to take control over the desires of your, the carnal desires of your flesh. The flesh is, however, satisfied by the wisdom of the world. But the wisdom of the world is actually, if it's wrong, do it. That's the wisdom of the world. If it's wrong, do it. If it feels good, do it. The Bible says in James 3.15, James 3.15 says the wisdom, listen, the wisdom of the world is earthly. It's sensual and devilish. The wisdom of the world is earthy. It's base. It's sensual. And it's, dev- uh, it's devilish. So listen, if the, if, the, if the wisdom of the world is earthly, sensual, and devilish, then the flesh will accept it. If it's, if it's earthy, if it's base and, and low and, 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 and corrupt and, and just, uh, what word am I looking for? And if it's sensual and if it's devilish, oh, the flesh loves it. Folks love Halloween. They can't get enough of Halloween. Because it's, it's devilish. Yeah, yeah. yeah all, they, all the spooks and the witches and the, all that stuff. And the more grotesque the mass and everything is, folks love it. Why? Because it's devilish. And the flesh loves devil, devilish things. Yeah, yeah. I hope this is making sense to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's heavenly, if it's spiritual and, 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 and godly, the flesh will reject it. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the natural mind of the flesh and there is nothing anyone can do to change it. Except have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and now you have power over it. Doesn't mean it's going to go away. Get that. It doesn't mean it's going to go away. It means you have power. You've got tools. You've got methods by which you can uh, 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 subdue your flesh and bring it under subjection. So we must understand this truth in our souls that we can overcome the desires of our flesh. But the flesh will never, ever, ever, ever accept anything about God that is true. The flesh will not accept things about God that is true. That's why there's so many lies spread in religious organizations about God. Because when they lie about the things of God, the flesh will love that and the flesh will accept it. God wants you to drive a Rolls Royce. God wants you to live in a mansion because that's what you're going to have when you go to heaven. That's why he wants you to have mansions here and he wants you to have mansions when you go to heaven. And we know 
that John 14.1 is not talking about mansions in heaven at all. It's talking about having a relationship with the Holy Ghost. But if I tell the, if I tell the flesh that, the flesh is not interested. If I tell the flesh that, the, the, that those mansions are, 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 are examples of, of, of one-on-one experiences, relationship with God, it's a one-to-one relationship with God. It's a monad with God. That's what that, that, that he's talking about. In my Father's house are many mansions. But if I say, oh, when you get to heaven, you're going to have a, a 48-room mansion with marble floors and gold doors, and you're going to drive a gold-plated Bentley, and you're going to eat angel food. The flesh will love that. Pastor said, I'm going to have angel, angel food in heaven. I'm going to be eating angel food in heaven. Because that, that goes with my wings. Because I'm going to be an angel. And if I'm going to be an angel, i got to eat angel food so I, so I can fly with my wings. Well, there's a song we're going to fly around heaven. We're going to fly around heaven. And a Bentley and eat angel food with strawberries. So as long as we're in this body of flesh, we must clearly understand it will never be satisfied by the things of God. Your flesh will never be satisfied by the things of God. The fact that you were able to get your flesh to come to church this morning was 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 an accomplishment because I know your flesh did not want to be here. Yeah, your flesh does not want to be here. So the fact that you are here says you've got power over your flesh. Hmm. The Bible says the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. That's 1 Corinthians 3.19. So if the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, then the wisdom of the world ought to be foolishness to those who have the spirit of God. Did you get that? Did you hear that? If the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, then the wisdom of the world ought to be foolishness to those who have the spirit of God. And the more we study the word of God in truth, the more we can see and understand that everything that pertains to this world is rooted in evil and cannot satisfy our sanctified souls. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy our sanctified souls except the word of God. For just as the flesh is satisfied by the things that are earthy, sensual, and devilish, the sanctified soul is satisfied by things that are heavenly, spiritual, and godly. Now, we do understand that after a soul is born again, it's free from sin, right? Mm -hmm. However, the soul is still housed in a sinful body of flesh. And I said this, so there's a constant struggle, a constant struggle between the sanctified soul and the sinful flesh as they vie for control. That's what it's all about. Control, having control. And see, since we've been in this body, since we've been in this world, it's hard to kind of separate the two sometimes. It makes it real, real difficult. But thanks God for, thank God for the, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that gives us the victory. Because as Paul says, when I would do good, when I do good, evil is with me. What I don't want to do, that's what I do. And what I want to do, my soul wants to do, I don't do. He says, so if I do what I hate, 
but I can't do what I want to do, then there's something going on in my members, in my body of flesh, bringing me into subjection to the law of sin that is in my members. It's not in his soul, it's in his members. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So we understand that after a soul is born again, there's still that struggle. There's a constant struggle between the sanctified soul and the sinful flesh as they vie for control. Galatians 5.17. Galatians 5.17. Paul explains it very well. Galatians 5.17. For this is what he says. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. And then he said, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Yes. Keeps you from doing the right things. Mm-hmm. Interferes with your wisdom. Yes. In other words, the flesh has strong desires that oppose the soul. And the soul has strong desires that oppose the flesh. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes. The flesh has strong desires that oppose the soul. And the soul has strong desires that oppose the flesh. They are contrary one to another. So what's the remedy? What is the remedy, Brother Winston? How do we gain an upper hand in this war against the flesh? I hope this is making sense to you. How do we, how do, we do it? By the things that are freely given to us of God. Namely, his spirit. He says, this I say, walk in the spirit, capital S. So walk in the gift that has been gift of the Holy Ghost that has been given to you. And you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. That's Galatians 5.16. In other words, when we walk in the spirit, we walk in. Listen, 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 listen. When we walk in the spirit, we walk in a place where the flesh cannot go. All right, Did you come get on. that? When we walk in the spirit, we walk in a place where the flesh cannot go. Well, how does this happen? Well, in this context, walk means to stand in agreement with. Walk means to stand in agreement with, to direct one's life accordingly. Amos said it very well. Can two walk together except they agree? Uh-huh. That's Amos 3.3. 3. Uh-huh. Can two walk together except they agree? And that's how, that's, that's my contention with this uh, a fellowship of Christians and Jews. Uh-huh. I'm not anti-Semitic. What I'm saying is a fellowship of Christians and Jews. Jews do not accept that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that uh-huh. he is the Messiah. So in order for Christians to, to walk with Jews and have fellowship with, it means that they agree on the same thing. Yes, sir. And you know what they agree on? The Benjamins. Yes. Yes. That's what the Bible, do we believe the Bible? It says, it says, can two walk together except they agree? Well, Christians and Jews walk together and they agree on the green. Uh-huh. Hmm. To walk means to be in accordance with or in agreement with. Therefore, the soul gains gains the upper hand in its war against the flesh when it stands in agreement with the wisdom of God. 
we gain, uh, are able to have some strength when we stand in agreement with the word of God, with the wisdom of God. The flesh cannot walk in the spirit because the flesh rejects the wisdom of God. The flesh cannot walk in the spirit and we don't agree with our flesh. That's another place that you have a battle. Your flesh wants to do something and you don't agree. And then you look up and you find that the flesh won and you're just doing it. Hmm. What we must understand about the spirit of God is that not only is he this holy soul that was in the body of Jesus, he's the power of influence freely given to every born again believer. Why? To enable us to overcome the rebellion that is in our flesh. So if we walk, listen, if we walk in agreement with the spirit of God, he will guide our lives because when we walk in the spirit, we walk in righteousness. And that's like I said, that's a place where the flesh cannot go. The flesh cannot walk in righteousness. The flesh is sold to sin. Yes, yes. So when we walk in the spirit now, we have the ability to discern evil and avoid it. That's one of the things that we have. That's also makes, gives you the, have, causes you to have the regrets because you know it's evil and you can avoid it, but you go ahead and do it. And then you experience the consequences of having done that evil and you have remorse. Yes. And your conscience will say, you so dumb. What would you do that for? You knew you shouldn't have done that. You so, but then your conscience will also say, it was, that was no big thing. That's all right. Wild off a duck's back. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We have been given the ability to discern that which comes to do us spiritual harm. Mm -hmm. Listen, we have been given the ability to understand what comes to do us spiritual harm. When you go to a, 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 a place they call a church and you're hearing some stuff that's not true, you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and you know it's bogus and you know that what's coming across that area is to, is to do you harm. Why? Because that's what the Spirit of God does. He protects you from harm. He protects you from lies and deceit. That's what he does. But you got to have the truth in you to recognize a lie. I hope this is making sense. So he's the power of influence to give us that we can overcome the rebellion of our flesh. And he also helps us to identify what's right and what's wrong. That's the wisdom of God. When we walk in the spirit, we have the ability to discern evil and avoid it. We have been freely given the ability to discern that which comes to do us spiritual harm. First John 4, 1 John 4.1. 1 John 4.1. We have the ability to know what is coming to do us spiritual harm. 1 John 4.1. 1 John 4.1. This is what he says. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. Why, John? He tells you why. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Many, he said, he didn't say just a few. He said many, many false prophets are gone out into the world. Like that one I quoted who said you don't need to be baptized to be saved. Listen, the most effective way to do someone's spiritual harm is to tell them something about spiritual things that's not true and have them believe it. 
the most effective way to do spiritual harm to someone is to tell them something about spiritual things that are not true and they believe it. And of course they will believe it because it's a lie and the flesh will believe a lie before it will accept the truth. The natural mind of the flesh will always believe a lie rather than the truth. And many are easily deceived. Why? Because in order to discern truth, you got to have some truth in you. In order to discern truth, you got to have some truth in you. False teachers will always appeal to the lust of the flesh where there is no truth. However, when you walk in the spirit, walk in the spirit, you're in agreement with truth. And if you follow the influence of the spirit of truth in you, then instead of following the influence of your flesh, you will not be deceived. Brethren, be not deceived. God is not mocked. And you will not be and you will not fulfill the lust thereof. See, you actually do have the power to resist. You really do. You have the power to overcome the desire, carnal desires of your flesh. Even though the flesh is persistent, you still have that power. And then in verse six, John goes on to say. He tells us why. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error because we know God. And we know God and we know God and we can hear God. And the only way to discern truth is to know truth. And the only way to know truth is to know God. And the only way to know God is to have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Premise A, premise B, conclusion. The only way to discern truth is to know truth. And the only way to know truth is to know God. And the only way to know God is to have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. He's the spirit of truth and he's the only way we can discern, determine and distinguish truth from error. You getting bored? You getting tired? In the mind of the flesh, there's no truth. Therefore, the flesh has no means by which to tell what's true and what's a lie. This is why the Holy Ghost is freely given to us so that we can know the spirit of truth and know the spirit of error. One of the greatest things God freely gives us is the ability to distinguish the truth from a lie. The scripture said, I, I quoted it, now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of God, we've received the Doria of the Holy Ghost that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, yes. which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost teaches us. And I'm going to tell you how in a minute. The Holy Ghost is our teacher and he teaches us according to the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of the world. How does he teach us? Sister Richmond, he teaches us from the inside out. He teaches us from the inside out. The wisdom of God says, he says, we have an unction. We have an unction of, from the Holy One. Unction is another thing we are freely given. That's 1 John 2.20. 1 John 2.20. We have the unction that is given to us by, uh, freely given to us of God. And that's, this is what it says. 1 John 2.20. Listen. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. And ye know all things. He says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, 
but because you know the truth and that no lie is of the truth. Very, very simple, isn't it? Very simplistic. What is unction? Unction is charisma is what it's called. Unction is charisma. It's an anointing. It's a special endowment of the Holy Ghost. Unction is charisma. C-H-R-I-S-M-A. Charisma. That's, that's the first four letters, first four letters of Christ. Because Christ is the Holy Ghost. He is the anointing. And so he gives us his endowment. He endows us with his anointing. And this anointing and this special endowment, this unction is experienced, and this is how you learn from the Holy Ghost, in the form of spiritual intuition. What do I mean by that? I mean that you'll hear the word of God and you may not be able to completely articulate it and put it in words, but you understand it. You're able to comprehend it. Even though you might not be able to to put it into words, you still understand it and you still are enriched by it because you have now you have the unction. You have an ability to understand the word of God on an intuitive level. And it has to be on an intuitive level because it can't be on a carnal level because your body, your carnal is your flesh. And therefore, we understand spiritual things on a spiritual level. We understand things on an intuitive level. That's also how the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you. He will lead you intuitively. He won't necessarily tell you what, oh, I think you should do this, or I think... You'll actually have an intuition about what you should do. You'll have an intuition. You'll have an, uh, you'll have an unction. Yes. But you'll have a, 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 an in, inclination, I'll say, yes. of what the right thing to do is. And you may still not be able to explain it. And then you'll do it, and it works out right. And when it works out right, then you know who, who gave, that, gave you that, that, that wisdom. Because it, it, when the Holy Ghost gives you wisdom, and when he tells you what to do, it will always turn out right. It, you are guaranteed, if you follow the unction of the Holy Ghost, it, you are guaranteed to have right results. Because you can't get wrong out of right. Come on, yeah. Come on. Makes sense to you? Yes. Hmm. So, you, so he says, uh, uh, we have the special endowment. It's an intuition. It's the ability to see and understand spiritual things on an instinctual level. John says, because you have this unction, you know all things. You have the ability to discern the wisdom of God on a spiritually instinctual level. That's why when you talk to unregenerated folks, they can't comprehend the word of God because you can't comprehend the word of God with a fleshly mind. But you're anointed now. You're anointed with the nature of of Christ. You're endowed with the mind of Christ. Therefore, you have the instinctual ability to know when you hear truth and you know when you hear a lie, sister man. Let me give you an example. 1 John 2.22. 1 John 2.22. 1 John 2.22. I like this passage. It's so revealing. 1 John 2.22. He says, who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. Whoever does this, he says, is an antichrist. That denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Notice John says a liar is he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. Mm. Well, we know that Christ is the Holy Ghost. 
And when you say Christ Jesus, you're talking about the spirit of God and the body of God. Christ is the Holy Ghost and, 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 and Jesus is the body that the Holy Ghost was in. However, Trinitarians say that Jesus and the Holy Ghost are two distinct persons. Yeah, that's what this the, the guy that had the bad comb over him and do this to himself and pass out. He'd actually anoint himself and pass out. He said, God is one being in three persons. God is one being, but he's got these three persons. He's a liar. That man is a liar. That's why they caught him coming out of a hotel in, in Italy with a with another liar. He says, a liar is he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. We know that the Christ is the Holy Ghost. However, Trinitarians say that Jesus and the Holy Ghost are two distinct persons. So according to John, Trinitarians are what? They're liars. He goes on to say the Antichrist deny the Father and the Son. But notice he does not say they deny the Holy Ghost. Why? Because when one denies the Father, they deny the Holy Ghost. They don't even know who the Father is. They don't even know who the Holy Ghost is. They think the Father is the first person of the Trinity and the Holy Ghost is the third person of the Trinity. But the Bible says Jesus was conceived in the Holy Ghost and Jesus and the Holy Ghost is the Father of Jesus. So the Holy Ghost is the Father and the the Father is the Holy Ghost. So if you deny that, if you deny that the Holy Ghost and the Father are one, then you are what? You're an antichrist. You're anti-Holy Ghost. How does the antichrist deny the Son? They refuse to be baptized in his name. That's how they deny the Son. They refuse to be baptized in his name. We heard Peter in Acts 2.38 and they said, what must we do? He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the doria of the Holy Ghost. And then Paul, in Colossians 3.17, Colossians 3.17, he says, whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. There's a conjunction, God and. So God is the Father, and the Father is the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is the soul of God that was in the body of Jesus. How do they, how do the Antichrist deny the Father and the Son? They refuse to accept that the Son is the Father in the flesh. That in a body of flesh, the Father shed His blood. The Holy Ghost purchased the church of God with His own blood. Acts 20, 28 says the Holy Ghost purchased the church of God with His own blood. And then the scripture says we are bought by the blood of Christ. So if we're bought by the blood of Christ and the Holy Ghost purchased the church of God with His own blood, then the blood of Christ is the blood of the Holy Ghost and Christ is the Holy Ghost. And if you deny the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, then you are anti-Holy Ghost. You're anti-Christ. And there are many antichrises now. Hmm. It says, Hebrews 9.14, Hebrews 9.14 says, The blood of Christ was offered through the eternal spirit of God. 
Hebrews 9.14, the blood of Christ was offered through the eternal spirit of God. Why? Because Christ is the eternal spirit and the eternal spirit is the Holy Ghost. Now you understand this, don't you? You know why? Do you know why you're understanding this? Because you got the Holy Ghost. Like I said, he purchased the church of God with his own blood, Acts 20, 28. So John is absolutely correct. Liars deny that Jesus is the Christ. And they are antichrist because they are anti-Holy Ghost. We're able to know and understand these truths because why? Because we have been freely given the unction of the Holy Ghost that we may know, learn, and understand spiritual things. We know the difference between the truth and a lie. We know who, who is of Christ and we know who is the antichrist. Whoso denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son hath the Father also. So we acknowledge the Son, which means we have the Holy Ghost also. So if you say you deny that Jesus is the Christ, if you deny that he's the Holy Ghost, then you do not have the Father because the Father is the Holy Ghost. However, if you acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, then it is because the Father dwells in you and he will not deny himself. Jesus says the Holy Ghost will testify of me. And Jesus says if you know who he is, then it's because he hath revealed himself to you. That's why you know who Jesus is, because he has revealed himself to you. How do we know? Luke 10:22. <coughs> Luke 10, 22. All things are delivered to me of my father because I am my father. In other words, listen, all that the father is, is in me. All that the father is, is in me. Listen, and he says, No man knoweth who the Son is, but the Father. And who the Father is, but the Son. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. That's what Jesus says. No one knows who the Son is, but the Father. And who the Father is, but the Son. And he to whom the Son will reveal him. We know the Father is the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he has revealed himself to us. So if you know that Jesus is the Christ, if you know that the name of the Father is Jesus, if you know that the name of the Son is Jesus, if you know that the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus, then it's because he has revealed himself to you. Why? Because you believe in the only begotten Son of God. 1 John 2.24, 1 John 2.24, 1 John 2.24. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. So he's saying, don't believe the lies of the Antichrist. Hold on to the true word of God and hold on to the promise. What promise? And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. That's Titus 1-2. So the Father promised us eternal life. That's why it was the Father's blood that was shed on the cross. 
He says, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Why? Because God has revealed himself to us. We stand on this promise and we will not be seduced by the foolishness of Antichrist. We will not be seduced by the foolishness of Antichrist. John goes on to say in, in uh, John 2, 24, it's probably 25. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Referring back to the unction mentioned in verse 20, he says, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things. That's what we were talking about. That intellectual, intuitive understanding of the word of God that comes from the Holy Ghost. And it's true and no lie. And even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. We are in a wonderful place. We are really, really, truly in a wonderful place because we have the indwelling of the truth of God dwelling in us. And we and it helps us live. It helps us to make our decisions. It helps us to know when someone is lying to us and when someone's telling the truth. When, even when you're, into, when you're working on a contract with someone or you're about to buy something, you know when they're giving you a hand and you are lying. You know it. You know that when they're lying to you and they don't think that you know. So we have received the anointing. We have received the unction of the Holy Ghost. He has endowed us with the ability to understand spiritual things. We cannot be seduced with the lies of the Antichrist. Our flesh can, but our souls cannot. We have not received the spirit of this evil world. We have received the spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us. What do we know? We know the Father. We know the Son. We know the Holy Ghost. We know he has freely given us holiness. We know he has freely given us righteousness. We know he has freely given us peace. We know he has freely given us love. We know he has freely given us joy. We know he has freely given us his mind. We know he has freely given us the understanding of spiritual things. We know he has spiritually given us contentment. We know he has spiritually given us comfort. We know he has freely given us himself. We know he has given us love, power, and what? A sound mind. He has given us the ability to tell the truth from a lie. We know he has freely given us that power. We know he has freely given us the revelation of himself. Why? Because we know that the Holy Ghost is the revelation of God in the spirit. And we know that Jesus is the revelation of God in the flesh. He has freely given us his promise. We know he has freely given us everlasting life. In John 10, 27. This is one of the most comforting passages of scripture that Jesus says. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand Mm -hmm. 
my father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no, no man plucked them out of my hand. My father, which is greater than, is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So if they can't pluck them out of my father's hand, and they can't pluck them out of my hand, he tells you why. He says, because I and my father are one. But the only way that you understand that is you have the spirit of the father dwelling in you. So if you understand what Jesus says, then it is because he has freely given us an understanding. If you understand what Jesus says, it means you have been freely given the ability to hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They hear me. They hear me when I speak. They hear me with my words. So if you understand what Jesus says, then you are. Among his sheep. You're among that remnant that shall be saved. And one day, we can't even imagine. It says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered the mind of the unsaved. What God has prepared for them that love him. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. So one day, our souls will spend eternity with him. And when we see him, we will be like him. We will see him as he is and be like him. We will exist in eternal bodies of flesh and bones. There won't be any blood because it's the spirit of life that is in us. And so when that cosmic alarm clock goes off, and whether we're sleeping in our graves or we're still walking this evil world, we will be caught up to meet him in the air. And then we will spend eternity on the earth on a renovated earth in righteousness and peace. We were not created for nothing. God does not waste his resources. God created the heavens and the earth for us. So if he created the heavens and the earth for us, do you think he's going to allow sin to circumvent his plan? Absolutely not. He went to the cross In a body, God went to the cross, he suffered, he bled, and he died so that we could spend eternity with him in righteousness and in peace. I'm so glad I repented of my sins. I'm so glad I'm baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad I got the unction of the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad I got spiritual understanding because it gives me the strength that I need. It gives me what I need to keep going every day because this is a tedious journey. But he holds my hand. He walks in front of me because I follow him. But he's also to the right of me. And he's to the left of me. And he's also behind me. And he's beneath me. And he's above me. And I'm sealed by his spirit. So, you are among the sheep. Listen. Sister Rose, you are a true Christian. You're a true Christian. Because you have the Christ. And you're a follower of Christ. Which is what it means to be Christian. We're Christians. We're genuine, real Christians. Bonafide, for real 
authentic Christians. And because we are Christians, we have the spirit of God. And because we have the spirit of God, we know the things that are freely given to us of God. Let's give him some praise. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we have the right to call you Father. You're our Father who loved us and gave his life as ransom for us. And we thank you that you've given us that unction that we may understand spiritual things, that we may live godly, that we may know godly, that we may know the truth from error. Thank you, Lord, for this word. In Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer?